the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Philip and James are two of the twelve apostles, but not much is known about either of them. Philip is known from his speaking roles, first in the feeding of the 5,000 in John 6, and then in today's gospel, where in both instances his somewhat naive words are the springboard for Jesus to give a greater explanation of the truth. James, today's James, is the least well-known of the biblical Jameses. Like the biblical Marys, the biblical Jameses are a little bit hard to sort out and memorize. Uh, There seem to be three of them. The first is James, the brother of John, the son of Zebedee. He is called in the tradition James the Greater. The other prominent James is called the Lord's brother by St. Paul in Galatians. He became the bishop of the church in Jerusalem and is most likely the author of the New Testament epistle of James. Today's James is neither of those guys. Today's James is the son of Alphaeus. He is called James the Less or James the Lesser because it seems he was either younger or smaller in stature than the other apostolic James, who was James the Greater. The epistle today exhorts us to count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now, at face value, this can sound a little bit like being told to be happy about getting our butt kicked because it will prepare us to endure future beatings. This reminds me of a recent comic piece I saw. A man was in a car hopelessly stuck in rush hour traffic and the caption read, he prayed for patience, dash, rookie move. (laughs) However, a closer look at the New Testament reveals that joy is constantly linked with trial in the New Testament. And the same connection can be observed with the gift of God's peace, which is a companion to joy in the New Testament. For example, Acts tells us that the apostles, after having been beaten by the authorities for their faith in Jesus, quote, departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus. And Jesus said to the disciples, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have conquered the world. The relationship of joy and peace to suffering can be understood once we face the simple fact that trial and suffering are unavoidable in this world. What faith in Jesus does is to transform how we experience the pain. Our participation in the resurrection of Jesus has given our lives a new horizon or goal. Our goal is no longer merely temporal happiness, prosperity, or success. Our goal, ultimately, is to stand blameless before our Lord Jesus Christ 
on the day when he comes and hear him say to us, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. We certainly prefer to be without pain in this world. Faith does not make us masochists. But faith teaches us to face the necessary and unavoidable pain of life faithfully. And it teaches us not to avoid pain at the cost of unfaithfulness. A trial of faith is precisely a challenge to remain faithful when faith and the requirements of faith make us uncomfortable. Some Christians struggle with the relationship of faith to pain because they have unwittingly embraced a cultural notion that faith is a consumer product that ought always to make us feel better. Thus, faith is judged by how well it works to solve the various problems of life. Of course, in the long run, faith does make us feel better. And when we are raised from the dead on the last day, we will discover that it really does work. But in the short term, the impulse to flee from discomfort at any cost is the essence of temptation. While the ultimate horizon or goal of our faith is the resurrection, we taste and experience the future verdict of blamelessness right now in the Eucharist. As we receive Christ with repentance and faith, we are justified right here, right now, no matter what we are facing in the world. We experience the joy that the world cannot take from us and the peace that is not like the world gives. And it is here that we can understand how trials connect us with joy. Trials in the world detach us from the illusion that there is something permanent to be had in this world. The main threat to our peace and our joy is the temptation to non-sacramental, idolatrous participation in this world. When we pursue this world as the goal, whatever we get is merely temporary. It may feel good in the moment, but deep down inside we know it won't last. That is why every merely temporal happiness has within it the root of despair. To maintain temporal happiness, we must cling to it and affirm it again and again. However, eventually we learn that nothing in this world lasts that long. This is the reason we must never confuse temporal happiness or momentary fun with the joy and the peace that Jesus gives us. And it reveals how we can count trials as joy. Painful experiences in the world detach us from the world and its promises and lead us into closer union with Jesus through our prayer. This increases our experience of joy and peace that transcends every temporal thing. 
Now, this perspective, this eternal perspective, is very hard to maintain. And this is why our faith must be a living experience of union with Christ through our prayer, and not merely doctrines we believe in or insurance against hell. We experience joy and peace in this world right now as we enter into the experience of eternal life in Christ right now through our prayer in the communion of the saints. Acts of prayer and disciplines of remembrance, they help us to remember because we are forgetful people. We are tempted to drift away from the joy and peace of life in Christ and to be drawn back into what is merely temporal. As we habitually call to mind the reality of the presence of God with us, as we hold on to Christ in our prayer in the midst of our trials, we cultivate an experience of life that matches what is revealed in Jesus. As Jesus said, Lo, I am always with you, even to the end of the age, and I will never leave you nor forsake you. We always live in union with God through Jesus, but the anxiety and emotions of this world can lead us into what Martin Laird calls the illusion of separation from God. <clears throat> when we believe that illusion, we are tempted to run from our pain or tempted to lose our faith. And this is the root of sin, which leads to guilt, which can spiral into an actual experience of distance from God. But note what happened. God did not go away. Rather, we, being overwhelmed by temptation, moved away from God. We can look at two garden scenes, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Both were tested. For Adam and Eve, the anxiety created by the voice of the evil one the external lure and the internal desire, the world, the flesh, and the devil, overwhelmed them. They abandoned their prayer, their connection to God, and moved away from God to seek uh, relief in a temporal thing. As a result, they lost their experience of joy and peace. In contrast, Jesus facing great trial in the Garden of Gethsemane held on to his prayer. He never let go of the Father or of his commitment to do the Father's will. As Hebrews says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The pain and trials of this life will always be there. The gift of faith is that Christ is always with us in our trials. The grace of our trials is that they detach us from this world and lead us into prayer that connects us more deeply to Jesus and the experience of joy and peace that we have in him. This is our fellowship in the cross that leads to our participation 
in the resurrection. Thus, count it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.